500 years ago he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad he said i'm mad i must eradicate piracy injustice and cruelty and all my sons will follow me so evil doers will believe that this man cannot die the phantom the ghost who walks the phantom enemies beware the phantom's always there but you won't find the phantom he finds you G'day Phantom fans and welcome to episode 59 of Expand, the Phantom podcast as brought to you by ChronicleChamber.com. I'm Dan Fraser and I'm hosting this one by myself tonight I suppose. Just uh, a few recordings that uh, we're looking to bring to you. Today we've got something a little bit special for you as we go inside the Bunker Cartoon Gallery in Coffs Harbour for the weekend of uh, Friday March the 10th and Saturday 11th of march 2017 which was the of course the opening of the phantom art show which has been traveling around australia and we've brought uh, a few of those sounds to you across the course of the last six months or so and um very excited to be able to continue to bring that to you today in episode 59 so in the podcast today we've got a few little things for you to listen to The first 45 minutes or so are actually the speeches from the Friday night opening. Now, I'm actually pretty happy with the audio uh, that I was able to record, so certainly a lot better than the audio I managed to get for you guys from the Tweed opening. Uh, Look, there is some background noise, Um, there's there's some fans in the background, the fans with an F, not the PH. Uh, those were very important on the night because the Bunker Cartoon Gallery is actually, it really is, it's genuinely a bunker. It's uh, an old World War II bunker. It's built into the side of a hill. It's literally a cave underground. And without the fans, it would have been fairly stifling with the amount of people that were in there. So uh, I do apologise for the fans in the background. bit annoying tonight and uh, today when you listen to it in the recording, but uh, honestly, very important on the night to keep that air circulating. So necessary evil, I suppose, there. Uh, also, as you're listening through that, uh, the, through the speeches, look, there are. I left my uh, phone on the podium to record the speeches, which was way better than um, in my pocket, which is where it was at Tweed. But the downside was that sometimes the speakers would, put, uh, the, the the people who got up to speak, would put a clipboard over the top, or, or at times even put their hand directly over the phone and over the microphone so it does get a little bit muffled in places uh it's a little bit scratchy but honestly it's not too bad and uh it is well worth persisting so the speakers there was a a range of speakers people who got up and and had a chat to us on the night the central to the proceedings was the mc who was margaret cameron uh she's the manager of the art gallery and she did a wonderful job of organizing the whole the whole show and emceeing on the night so we hear from her. She's followed by Councillor Jan Strong, who welcomed us to the region and, and spoke very, very well. Then we hear from one of the key contributing artists to the Phantom Art Show, and that is Dick Frizzell, who has done some absolutely wonderful work. He's uh, very, very influenced. He'd be the first one to say it. He's very influenced by the work of Wilson McCoy and models a lot of his work on some of those classic uh, panels and that sort of thing that Will uh, McCoy produced. So great to hear from him. And then the key speaker of the night was uh, a man called Dare Jennings, who those those who don't know, 
he was the founder of Mambo, a surf clothing company in Australia who that, that took off in the, the 80s and the 90s, I suppose. Um, anyone who... He, he spoke really, really well. Very, very entertaining. And anyone who read Phantom Comics in the 1970s or early 1980s will relate to the memories that he has. And it was certainly fascinating to hear his memories of meeting Lee Fork, uh, the influence of the Phantom on his life, and, uh, yeah, just, just really, really good value. Then we hear from the chairman of the Bunker Cartoon Gallery, Paul McKeon. Uh, he does his thanks and acknowledgements of everybody and looked, <laughs> or, or, you know, tip of the hat to Paul if you're listening, but you, he was pretty much the worst offender for putting his hand directly over the phone and muffling it a little bit, I suppose. Uh, and uh, at the end of his time on stage, he even picked up the phone and carried it off stage. So again, um, thanks to Margaret for getting him to put it back so that we could hear from uh, the last, the next two speakers, which were Nanette Backhouse and Sam Chapman, the uh, co-owners of Say So Creative, who were the major sponsors of the Phantom Art Show at the Bunker, but also, and independently of that, the sponsors of the Say So Creative Phantom Down Under Art Prize. And uh, they go through and announce the winners of that as well. Uh, finally, in that, uh, in, the, in that first set of recordings, we hear again from Paul McKeon as he returns to the stage and introduces a very special guest who is, of course, the Phantom. And he makes a personal appearance and uh, shares a few comments with the crowd. So, so without any further ado, let's get into it and let's hear from the speeches on the Friday night of the opening of the Phantom Art Show at the Bunker Cartoon Gallery in Coffs Harbour. Set of six collector's edition art cards and a gift box skull ring. 
So those of you who are Facebook um, friendly or those of you who think it's high time you got on Facebook, find us at uh, the Cartoon Gallery at Facebook and um, get some photographs. The second part of the competition, it runs right through to the end of the exhibition. And that one, the prize is a little larger. It's, um, again, a collector's edition Vic Frizzell t-shirt um, set of six collector's edition cards. Uh, I've got exactly the same thing on this second one. I've got the wrong sheet, so um, sorry. But there are posters around with the prizes for that one, so um, there, there are different things as the second prize. And that does run right through the competition. Um, the other third thing I wanted to do before I introduce Councillor Jan Strom is to just thank the volunteers. Um, I've had a lot of comments tonight about the transformation in here and just how great it looks. And I wanted to name a few because volunteers have been here hour after hour after day after day for the last week to put this together because it has been quite a big challenge. And the people I'd like to name, most of them are here tonight again helping, uh, Brian Cotter, Stan Bates, Beryl Sharp, Tria Wuresti, Susie and Steve Robson, Ian Williams, Julie LeBreton, Bev Wood, Lena Alterwell, Trish McCallum, Cherie Dureth Drynan, Jean Hayton and Sue Bud. So those of you who are congratulating me on what it's I was just going to say those who are thanking me or congratulating me on a what a great job. It's been a huge team effort, so thank you to you guys. Now I'd like to introduce Councillor Jan Strom, please. Um, she stepped up in the Mayor's absence. I think the Mayor's in Sydney with a daughter who's having a baby uh, roundabout now. So, Jane, can I welcome you to, um, on behalf of Council, please? Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I think I'll be a bit presumptive and, and let you know that the Mayor is um, Nana or Grandma to a little baby girl called Mackenzie. Born this morning. And she's cute, photos being sent, we've all ooed and ahed appropriately. So first up, I'd really like to acknowledge the land we stand on. This is Gumbangia land, or actually we're standing under the land if we're going to be particularly technical. And I'd like to acknowledge all of the elders past and present, and future elders coming up through the generations. Obviously there's a massive amount of work that's gone into mounting this exhibition. It just looks superb, so well done for that massive list of volunteers that you put out and their hard-earned work has really paid dividends. It looks superb, so thank you very much. Without volunteers, organisations such as this really wouldn't exist, so volunteering is alive and well in cost, and that's terrific to see. And it really is a bit like what I'd imagine the Phantom's mythical skull cave to look like. Um, I'm just hoping for an appearance from the man himself, but then again, you never know, you might turn up. Actually, I had some friends who were such fans of the Phantom that they had a boat called a Phantom 33, which was a small monohull, and they named it um, Mr. McIver. And they travelled around, they circumnavigated the world in having two babies along the way. Their new boat's called Mr. McCorber. Anyway, I digress. I'd really like to um, thank Peter Kingston and Dietmar Lederwash for putting the exhibition together and especially for bringing it here to COPS. So thank you very much to you both. I know you're here somewhere. That's fantastic. Thank you. And also a big thank you to Dare Jennings, who's the creator of Mambo, for coming along to officially open the show. More from him soon. 
But most of all, I'm delighted to welcome to POPS all of the artists who've contributed their work tonight. And I've walked around and had a look at every single one of them. And there's some amazing work here, some different imaginations uh, working on a theme. And it's really lovely to see people exploring the theme that's well known to everyone, but then putting their own little sort of take on it. So that's fantastic. So thank you to that contribution. And it's terrific to have them um, here at the Bunker Gallery in Coffs. And uh, those visitors that are here, actually, who's not a local? I know there's an ex-local over there. But who... I'll keep my arm down there. Have we got non-locals or is everybody here? Oh, well, thank you. Oh, good. Yes, you could be a non-local. Oh, and this must be the next... I'm thinking, down the front there. Um, while you're here in Coffs, I hope, apart from enjoying the exhibition here, that you'll take some time to get around and enjoy some of the fabulous sights that we've got in our community. Beautiful beaches and lovely hinterland, lots of activities, maybe Phantom, here at Junior Phantom might like to go off and enjoy some of the activities at Big Banana or Pet Ball School or other places. It'd be really terrific that you can get out and explore and enjoy our community. Um, and so finally, Denise wishes you well. She's sorry she can't be here and she hopes that you have a wonderful time as guests of the bunker and those who are visiting as guests of our community. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Jan. And just for anyone else stepping up on stage, there is a step on the other side. Oh, you don't have to be the box. quite so far. Um, I apologise for that. So now it's my pleasure to um, introduce Dick Frizzell. Um, Dick and his wife Judy, sorry, have flown in from New Zealand for us tonight um, to be here at the opening and um, to, let, uh, to introduce themselves to you. Uh, Dick studied at the School of Fine Arts, University of Canterbury, and is one of New Zealand's most celebrated painters, uh, having shown many exhibitions, in, uh, including a travelling retrospective entitled Dick Frizzell, a portrait of a famous artist. Uh, he has several well-known works in this show, including the iconic Breathing Phantom, and I imagine most of you know the Spanish painting this afternoon. Um, that wasn't painted by Dick incidentally, it was actually painted by Peter, Ewan and uh, Dietmar in the last few days. But if you have a look down the back here, the original of that wonderful work is here. Um, no doubt, uh, and that's, sorry, that's it. So um, can I, without uh, any further ado, invite Dick to the stage to have a chat to us, but you might like to come around this side if you're really interested in it's a punch and Judy show without Judy. Yeah. Judas? 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 Well, thank you very much. I just, um, this is, I'm very excited about this. It is, the show is amazing. I've never seen it like this. Is, I tell you, there's, there's a couple more stops on the way before the show is uh, wound up, and I can't imagine any venue is going to top this presentation. I mean, this, this takes the cake. I, gotta, I, you know, I have to thank the Australian Army or something for this. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, and everyone who's um, 
um, hoping to win a Dick Brazil t-shirt. I can, uh, rest assured, I am a living legend back in New Zealand. Of course, no one in Australia has the faintest idea who I am. So it kind of, uh, it sort of takes the sting out of the prize a wee bit. But I'm working on it. I promise. You know, in a couple of years, you'll be glad you bought that t-shirt. I'll be all over the place. Especially thanks to this show, I must say. I, I'm not even, I can't even remember how it began. Um, Diet and Peter contacted me because they knew of my work with the Phantom and they, um, I became a sort of honorary keeper. There is another Kiwi involved, but, uh, but he doesn't live often. And uh, I came on board as the, as, the, as the sort of the one Kiwi and the, the, honor, the Kiwi from New Zealand who's uh, touring in the show. And it has been amazing, meeting Peter, meeting there, meeting everyone involved with us and every show that opening I've been to, it's, it's, it's opened up a very interesting, a sort of a late career wrinkle that I never saw coming, I can tell you. You know, this is my intro into the Australian art record. I'm very excited to be here, Brian. Right? Uh, and I've learned, I've learned more about copyright than I ever needed to know, I can tell you. That's been the learning curve. Hey, listen, everybody. Hey, thanks for coming. It's a, it's a great crowd, great venue. It's going to be a great night. Thank you all very much. Also, he's uh, contributed some really nice works to our raffle ticket uh, prize, prizes. And just on that, we were going to draw the raffle at the end of this formal part of the presentation, but we know a lot of you may have missed out on tickets. And given the calibre of the prizes and um, value of them, we think we might keep sales going for a little while, because when you see being drawn and you realise you didn't have a ticket, I'm sure you'll be quite disappointed. So we're going to leave that a little later. Uh, and draw them about 8.30 for you tonight. We won't make you wait too late. So now I'm going to introduce Dear Jennings. Dear's uh, here with his daughter, uh, Yathma, who's uh, obviously come to with him tomorrow for the book. Dear, as most of you know, is the founder of Mambo's Clothing. Uh, he, he found university not to his liking at one stage in his life. So having taught himself to screen print, he's somewhat shakily at first. He um, and driven by a desire to celebrate his youthful enthusiasms, which he actually says weren't enthusiasms, they were distractions like politics, birth, sex, drugs and rock and roll. So he developed a hobby producing t-shirts that reflected his interests. The appeal of these original and irreverent designs saw the business grow rapidly and spread worldwide, where in the 80s Mambo became a well-recognised label, and I can't imagine anyone in this room that's going to live Mambo. Uh, he's also a keen motorcyclist and a visit to Japan in 2006 inspired him to establish a new business, um, Do a Machina, um, which is now doing for motorcycles what Mambo did for the surfing industry. So let me welcome Dia to um, an open show for us and give us a little Uh, thank you so much. The uh, foliage is coming in here a bit, but it should be all right. Um, uh, look, I just, first of all, I, I want to thank Peter Kingston and Dietmar for asking me to come here to open this extraordinary exhibition. I mean, the fandom is near and dear to my heart and has been a big part of my life, but to see this extraordinary labour of love that these guys have done and put this uh, incredible exhibition together... Uh, it, it's just wonderful, and, and it's an, it is an honour. Everyone is 
said, uses the word honour a little sort of liberally, but it is an honour for me to be asked to come and open it. In fact, I've been cursing Peter because I've been trying now to figure out why, why has my life had so much of the phantom in it? I mean, because on the face of it, it's a totally absurd, absurd comic character. Uh, a guy who has really no superhuman powers, who wears a tight suit, he has some kind of Joseph Conrad style uh, up the river relationship with natives in Africa somewhere. And it, it, it is completely absurd. And I think the only thing I could figure out today was at the time, in the 60s, 70s, and 60s, 70s, maybe even the 80s, when comics were big, that we were also listening to The Goon Show and Monty Python had come up and we're, we had this wonderful sense of absurdity. And I think that's part of what we sort of enjoyed about The Phantom, the total absurdity of it and the, the humour and, the, um, and the, this notion that this was something that belonged to us. I mean, at that time, comics... It was the golden era of comics. I mean, there were British war comics, there was Marvel, there was Disney, there was all manner of different comics, but for some reason, this character has stayed with us, and mainly in Australia, because uh, I think, as you know, it's not overly popular elsewhere in the world, certainly not in America. Um, but to, to us as Australians, it's sort of maintained this wonderful sort of uh, presence. Um, just years ago, I had nothing to do. I was smoking pot and kind of feeling completely useless. I'd, I'd actually lived in Woolgooga for quite a while and gone back to <laughs> with the grand tradition of doing nothing in Woolgooga. Um, and I'd gone back to Sydney and I had to figure out something. And like, as I always do, I go, I know, I, if I did t-shirts with a phantom on them, everyone would want one of those, surely. I mean, that's obvious. So I rode my bicycle to an office in, um, in Edgecliffe. I'm still, I was, we were just trying to work out who what exactly it was that I spoke to, but I got permission and I decided to put an ad in the comic. And this for me was wonderful because all these years of reading The Phantom, the, comp, the ad on the back, which was either how to play the ukulele or every now and then they sold Phantom paraphernalia. There, were, there was the card with the personally signed by The Phantom, greeting, best wishes The Phantom. There was, there was the, the wonderful one-size-fits-all rings that you could get with the skull on them, and you could option them up for the ruby eyes with uh, the special, some, some dye that they put in there to indicate they were rubies. So, so I was going to get my ad on the back of the, of the comic, and I made, I made up this strip, and it was the phantom where he would go to the well to when he wanted to give orders to the jungle patrol. He would go to a well, crawl down the well, and put a message in a safe where Colonel Weeks would come along and get the message and do whatever the Phantom said he had to do. And I, the message that he got in my ad was, everyone should buy Phantom T-shirts. <laughs> so, I, mean, I hadn't thought it through very well, because all of a sudden all these letters started arriving with checks made out of Phantom T-shirts. And I had to go to the bank and beg them to give me a bank account with Phantom T-shirts so I could cash the checks. But anyway, for my, this was a my start of my business career and I really thank the family for it. The, later on when Lee Fork, the creator of the um, Phantom was coming to Sydney and through publications invited me to go and meet Lee Fork and 
I was so excited because I, I, there was all these questions about who was Wilson McCoy, who was Ray Moore. There was no Google then. You couldn't find out anything about these people. Uh, and I thought, okay, I'm going to meet Lee Falk, I'm going to ask him all about these people. In my fevered brain, I'd figured out that... Um, I'd figured out that Wilson McCoy must have been an alcoholic, failed, fine artist who had somehow been forced to do comics and put all his angst into these beautifully framed kind of comic strips. Because in the end, his art is still my favourite, as is most of the guys here. Um, so we went along to meet Lee Falk, who by this time was probably in his 80s. He, after comics, he'd been a Broadway producer. And I actually was never been so disappointed in all my life. He, he was actually quite bemused by all this kind of enthusiasm. And the, the only reason he was there was the people who made Crocodile Dundee had decided to make a phantom movie. So he'd come, he could smell money, I think, and he came to see what was going on. And I said, so can you tell me about Wilson McCoy and Ray Moore? And he went, oh, I don't know. I mean, look. You know, I like Cy Barry, that's it. You know, I don't, I don't really don't know about those guys. And I just was, just, I just was so dejected. I had, to, I had to shuffle off. And, um, but so, you know, there, there is the line, you should never meet the heroes because you, you probably end up being disappointed. The, the end of that story is that the people from the movie came to ask me what I thought about what a fan of movie should be. And I was obsessed with the... the, the the lesbian sky pirates who I, I'm not sure if they were lesbian but they certainly was a lot of girls and they were uncomfortable around me but they and that raided that sort of hijacked flying boats and hid in an island and it was just after um, Raiders of the Lost Ark and I said you've got to do that but of course they didn't so my brilliant idea was ignored but so I, I've rolled along and the fandom is still just something wonderful. And, and knowing Peter, and I've met Dietmar recently, and of course Dick Frizzell over here is just fantastic. They, they've taken all the beauty of the comics and turned it into wonderful fine art with humour, with, with style, and, and a huge respect for these things that we once had. So anyway, it's wonderful to open this exhibition. Respect for Gough Whitlam, who apparently his ghost is here somewhere. Well done, comrade. You must have enjoyed it during the war. And, um, and thanks to the, the, the art gallery, the Punker Art Gallery. It's a, it's a wonderful institution. And, of course, I've been, some, I've been had it explained to me the history of it and how it's turned around and how it is a great, uh, a great place for all Australian and comic art. Uh, the, 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 the collection that exists. So thank you so much. Thank you for all coming. It's wonderful to be here. And um, good luck with the exhibition. Thank you. Thank you for that, dear. Um, we might, I might call on our Chairman Paul McEwen now, who's going to run through um, some of the real um, players in this whole exhibition and a few other interesting things he's got to reveal to you. So I'll call on Paul, I believe you all almost all know Paul, um, to come to the stage please.
Thank you, Margaret, and good evening, everybody. Can can you all hear? Hear me? Well, that's very unlucky for you all. Uh, look, I'd like to start by acknowledging our special guests. We have, as you know, Councillor Jan Strong, representing the Mayor, uh, Peter Kingston and Dietmar Renowich, who have actually put this exhibition together. I know uh, been fabulous uh, to us to bring it here because previously it's been to a lot of the biggest art galleries or biggest regional art galleries in in the uh, country. So it's a pretty nice wrap to have made them all look fairly ordinary. Proud of one. I'd also like to uh, thank Bear for joining us tonight and also Ewan McLeod uh, who's contributed a number of pieces and wanted to come up here and see what it was all about. We also have Glenn Ford with us who is the, the publisher of Phantom Comics in Australia and you've all already seen Dick Frizzell who's uh, come all the way from New Zealand. Uh, on a slightly downer, I'd, I'd like to acknowledge the passing of a great Australian I don't know if you've heard of it, but today uh, Bill Wink died uh, at the age of 61. Uh, fabulous cartoonist, very controversial, uh, but uh, a man who has really made a mark. So it's great to see uh, such a large and sophisticated group of art lovers here, and I'm delighted that you could all make it. Certainly the gallery is a little different from last time. It's either a good news or a bad news story, but Australia can't go to war for the next two months because we've got all of the camouflage that the Army has. So I can assure you, whatever Donald Trump does, you're safe here for the next couple of months. There's, there's a number of people I'd, I'd like to thank on, on behalf of the uh, Cartoon Gallery Board uh, and Peter and Dietmar, who we can say, well, there's not much more we can say. They've been up here early. They've terrified me by getting up on a very, very high uh, piece of scaffolding to, uh, to paint with you and the cloud the, 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 the phantom mural that you see outside. And I assure you, when you get to the top of that thing, looking down, it's a long way to fall. Uh, uh, thank you, dear, for coming up and opening it. Thank you, Dick, for being here. Uh, and also, I'd like to say a very special thanks to uh, Sam Chapman and Lynette Backhouse from Say So Creative. They've sponsored the, the entire show, but they've done a hell of a lot more than that. Uh, they've provided the, uh, the prize money for the uh, Phantom Art competition, and we're going to announce the winners for that in, in a few minutes. Uh, but they've also uh, created the design and did a lot of the actual physical work to transform the bunker into what you see now. They've also produced all of the promotion and printed material, which I think you all agree is uh, very, very spectacular. 
they're extremely good at what they do, and uh, I pay them the ultimate comp uh, compliment because they also look up the design of my books. So, you know, they, they're very good at what they do, and they've done a fabulous job here You'll have to forgive me because I've got some notes here, but I, uh, I had a cataract operation a couple of weeks ago, which is phenomenal. I can now see you all, but it's really tricky. The glasses don't work, and I really need arms that are left a couple of uh, half a metre longer, and I'll be fantastic. But as it is, it's a struggle. I'd, I'd also like to thank Margaret Cameron, our, massive, our, our, our manager here, who has done uh, an unbelievable job to turn chaos, and I assure you it was chaos, uh, into what you see uh, today. Margaret has worked uh, 400 hours this week, uh, and you know, her, Without Margaret, it, it certainly wouldn't have happened, and I would have had a nervous breakdown, so thank you. Uh, now, I'd, I'd like to uh, uh, announce the winners of the, uh, the local art competition, which Margaret has mentioned a bit earlier, and I'd like to uh, ask uh, the head backhouse to come up here and uh, tell us who's won it and make them all exceedingly happy by giving them heaps of money. Is that yours? Is that yours? I'm not a fan of microphones. You can tell we did this, so it fits me. Um, I'd just like to thank, take this opportunity to um, welcome you all here and to say how bloody awesome this place looks. Um, and on behalf of myself, Sam Chapman and our company, Say So Creative, what an absolute pleasure it's been for us to work with Bunker as sponsors of both the exhibition and of the art prize. Um, we want to be able to offer support to the arts and local artists and this has been a great opportunity for us to do that and we'd like to see more businesses in the area support the local arts. Um, so what we've done is we basically, we have got the winners tonight. Um, we had so many entries and the diversity was incredible. Um, we had two categories with the open category and the under 18s category. Um, we've got as I said, the finalists and the, um, the junior finalists on display in the foyer. And what we've organised is for the rest of the entries to be displayed in um, Coffs Harbour along Harbour Drive in a series of pop-up galleries amongst the shops and then moving on to Coffs Central. So for two months you'll be able to go and walk around and see the talent and the enthusiasm of the um, local community. And we've also had a lot of um, entries from interstate, so the word spread very far and wide, which has been unbelievable. So, without further ado, if I could ask Mr Jennings to come back and do the um, awards. Um, basically, we start off with the juniors, the under-18s, and we had an original plan just to have one winner from each category, but this was impossible. So. Um, we had three entries for the under-18s, which 
is also fantastic, but also we'd love to see more, more of the youth enjoy the arts and take part. But to make things fair and the judges could not decide, we have split the prize between three entries. So if I could please welcome up Angus Fraser. We have Angus Fraser with the Phantom Shaker. We have Anastasia with the Phantom. And we have Shaley Brown with Smoko. So well done. And on to the open category. Again, impossible to pick a winner. And the judges were, we debated and we debated. And we ended up with one winner and three highly commended entries. So, if I could announce the finalists, we had Young Paul with Mr. Warm Does That Too. Joel Trailing with Lord of the Jungle. John Vanderkolk with Washing Day. And Robert Carter with Being Tough Too Long. And they were all outstanding. But the winner is... Actually, I'll, yeah, the winner is John Vanderkolk. <laughs> Unfortunately, John is currently on a plane to the United States, and his wife is at their daughter's graduation in Sydney. So we have a representative nominated by John. So. No way. No. So congratulations. So I'd also have certificates for the highly commended entries. So I think that we should have Jan Paul here tonight. Jan's over here. Okay. Well done. Thank you. Jan and I are old friends. So. Oh. Well done, Jan. Thank you. And then we have Robert Carter and Joel Trailing, who unfortunately can't be here because they are both in Sydney, as residents of Sydney. But well done. Be, yeah, it was outstanding. So congratulations. Enjoy the night. And um, thank you very much for coming. Oh, Sam Jackman has some words. I just had, like to add something very quickly. I got a chance to talk to the winner, John Vanderkolt, uh, yesterday afternoon because I knew he was going to the States um, and to, to let him know he, he won. He was absolutely thrilled, not only that he won, but by the, uh, the calibre of the judges 
um, who were judging it, um, and that uh, Peter Kingston had very generously, generously offered for his piece to travel with the show for the rest of the exhibition. Um, he was absolutely ecstatic about that, and so thanks to Peter for, uh, for making that offer for a local artist. Um, he just very quickly he called his artistic furball and he said this is a great opportunity for local artists to have a fun subject like this to basically cough up something you know, in an area that can sort of sometimes be a bit worthy and a bit um, emotional. He got to cough up a furball of, art, of artistic um, stuff and he said it was a fantastic thing and, and, and it's a really good model for, uh, for us to go forward with but, and we'd really love to do it again in, in that sort of frame. Thank you. Yeah. Folks, we're, we're not finished yet, uh, but the end is in sight. Now, I'd like to finish with a very serious announcement. You all know that the Phantom uh, has been busy fighting crime and villainy all over the world. Uh, he's been doing it since he first appeared in comics in 1936. One could have an unkind thought and say, if he's been fighting crime and unpleasantness since 1936, and you look around the world now, you'd have to say he's maybe not the most efficient crime fighter that we've ever seen, but for goodness sake, don't tell him that when he comes, because he's considerably bigger and more lethal than what I am. Uh, but because he is such good mates with uh, Peter and Dietmar, he's taken a few weeks uh, holiday off international crime fighting to be here and provide us with some security on this very, very valuable collection. So uh, we really appreciate that. Uh, now. Just before I introduce him, uh, you all know about his crime-fighting, supposedly brilliant crime-fighting exploits. What you don't know is something which I think is equally important but rarely mentioned. As I said, he was created in 1936, and that's before Superman. And BS is a really important thing to bear in mind because the Phantom holds the dubious honour of being the first superhero to wear his underpants on the outside. Now, I don't know about you, but personally I think that takes a lot more courage uh, than biffing large and unfriendly villains. Especially if you think about it, he was game enough to do this in the 1940s and 1950s. Now, uh, I got to admit, I was I was alive then, uh, and I would suggest they were pretty conservative years. You know, could you really imagine the recent Mardi Gras dancing through Darlinghurst in 1955? it would end very badly. So, this particular family is a bit conscious about the underpants thing. So, I'd like you to all make him feel very much at home in Coffs Harbour. And 
one way to do that which will assist him to blend in is I think anybody who has the courage to be a friend of the Phantom should slip a pair of underpants on over their trousers and I'm going to do that while I talk which is an interesting exercise other people who are courageous enough to be as silly as me uh, and without further ado I would like to introduce you to the Phantom. Thanks Paul and welcome everyone to my Skull Cave. It's a fairly low budget affair, so my white horse that's parked outside is a little bit lower to the ground than my usual mount. I thought the underpants story was a nice touch. I must admit, it was a little bit embarrassing in the, 19, in the early 1940s when Superman and I were the only two people in the whole world wearing them on the outside. Now every weirdo superhero is doing it. As you know, the ghost who walks rarely talks, so I'll keep this brief. One of the benefits of being created in the 1930s was that catching crooks was a fairly simple business with no political correctness to worry about. If I saw you committing a crime, I'd biff you first and ask questions later. I suspect Donald Trump still reads Phantom comics. Anyway, that's the way I'll handle things around coughs. You may see me in action over the next few weeks. On a more serious note, I'm also here to recruit more people to my cause, and I invite the bravest of you to come forwards and join me in my fight against injustice. If you have the courage, come up and swear the Phantom Oath. It was sworn by the first Phantom, and it still has great power. Anybody? Place your hands on the skull. Good. And repeat after me. I swear. I swear to devote my life to devote my life to the destruction to the destruction of all forms of all forms of piracy, greed and cruelty of piracy, greed and cruelty my sons my sons and my sons sons my sons sons shall follow me shall follow me thank you thank you Thank you all for a great welcome, and I'd like also to thank you, Peter and Didmar, for making me even more famous. <laughs> You've put together an excellent exhibition, and I'd also like to thank or pay a special compliment to Ewan McLeod for giving my, my cave a facelift, as it hasn't been painted in living memory and it was looking a little bit run down. Now, 
I just need to find a decent seamstress to give this costume a little bit of a facelift because it's feeling a little bit run down and tired as well. Thank you. And now it's party time. I'd like you all to have a great night. Thank you. So as you would have heard there and as you may have read, my son Angus came along to the opening with me. Uh, he had entered a, a little toy, a little sculpture that he'd created in the Phantom Art Prize and was lucky enough and uh, fortunate enough to pick up a joint winner uh, prize there, which he has not shut up about since, to be honest. The next little uh, five minutes or so is a little bit self-indulgent. I hope you will forgive me. Um, Angus has been bugging me ever since episode 42 when I recorded a little bit of a, a grab with him in the Toowoomba version of the Phantom Art Show and put that on the podcast. He's been bugging me ever since about when am I going to get on the podcast again, Dad, etc., etc. So uh, when we got back uh, home or back to our tent that night, uh, he and I had a very quick chat about our immediate memories of the opening and uh, I hope you enjoy. Alright, so Gus and I have just come back to our tent after we went to the Phantom Art Show opening at Coffs Harbour at Bunker Gallery. Um, so we just thought we'd have a bit of a chat about... Um, don't eat any of your apple. <laughs> um, we just thought we'd have a bit of a chat about our night and what happened and all the rest of it. So say hello to everyone, Gus. Hello. Alright, so, well, what did you think when we walked into the building? That I really liked the cartoons that were up there. Oh, wait up, before we, before we get inside, um, when, what, as we drove past and were looking for a car park, what did you notice? The sticks on fire. Sticks on fire, out the front of the, out the, front of the gallery. Yeah, bamboo sticks. Yep. And um, then what did we see? Um... A horse? Yeah, what tell us about the horse? Um so it was one of those horses that you had to put money in. Yep. I just used it as hero. Yeah, it was a white one, wasn't it? Mm. Yep. So it was there for hero. And what was um did you hear anything while we were there? Mm. What could you hear? I heard it. Lots of drumming. Oh, and tweeting. And tweeting. Oh, did you hear birds? Yeah, there were birds. Oh, jungle noises. As well as jungle drums. Yeah, cool. And so it was a really big atmosphere. Don't eat that up. So it was a really jungle atmosphere at the front, wasn't it? And what what was the... What did you see? No, stop. Um, Who was the first person we saw when we... Before we even got inside the gallery, who did we see? Um, Peter Kingston. Yeah, and who's he? He's, um, he makes some of the art. Yeah, that's right. And he was pretty pleased to see you. So it was cool. You got a couple of photos with him and all the rest of it. And, okay, so then we went inside and then what did you see? All the cartoons on the roof. People at the front desk. Um, the canteen. Yeah. And there was this big door that led into another room, mm-hmm. and I saw my phantom shake. Oh, yeah. 
Because you went, and that was the first thing you did, wasn't it? Went looking for that. Mm. Were you worried? I didn't find it. You didn't find it? I didn't find it at first, but then at the, that, that last time we found it, that was the very first time you saw it. Yeah, okay. All right. Not the very first time I saw it. No. So, tell me, what did you think about, what did you think about the cave, the way they did the cave up? Oh, great. What did you like? Um, my phantom shake. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Did you see any of the same paintings or anything that you liked before? Which one's your favourites? I know the best, the funniest sculpture I like. Yeah. Um, is that one with that guy smoking. Oh, right, yes. I don't know who that is. No, but they're wearing a phantom mask. Mm. Yeah. All right, I'll have to look that up and see what the name of that one was. Because that was right next to the throne this time, wasn't it? Don't eat your apple. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Um, so, what was? What are some of the other things you remember about the night? There's got to be a couple of really cool things you remembered. The skull throne. Yeah, yes. What about things that you had to do? The fan check. Hey. Oh, draw the raffle. Yes, so they asked you to draw the raffle, didn't they? Hmm. And I won a $100 prize. In the raffle? Hmm. No, not in the raffle. Why did you win a $100 prize? Uh, for... For my Phantom Shake. Yeah, for that art piece. So that was pretty cool. And so you had to go up and get your um, prize? Mm. Yeah. How did you feel? Great. And a bit scared up when I first went up because it's it's been a long time since being up on the stage. Well, the very first time I've been up on it a stage in front of a whole heap of mums and dads and parents. Yeah. And, but did they like seeing you up there, did you think? Yes. Well, how do you know that? They said it. <laughs> who told you? Um, who, who came and talked to, to you tonight? Probably everyone at the art show. And what sort of things were they saying? Uh, like the tie, um... The tie you're wearing, mm. yep. and that's basically the only question they, uh, not question, the only thing they told. They were very happy with your tie, weren't they? Mm. It was Glenn Ford's designed uh, Davenport tie. Yeah, and we got to see it. We got to see what? Glenn Ford. We did get to meet Glenn Ford at the end too. Mm. What did you think of him? Had a very long chat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we did have a long chat. That was good. Did you like it meeting him? It was good. What? You don't think so? Not by the size of it. <laughs> Too long? Mm-hmm. Were you bored? <laughs> That's all right. It was right at the end of the night, so you're probably pretty tired as well. All right. Is there anything else that you can think of of the night that you want to tell everybody about? Thinking, thinking. That's all right. It was a good chat. Mm. All right, you can eat your apple now. Oh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, and so we come to the last part of the podcast today, which is the recording of the artist's talk, which took place on Saturday morning, March 11th, the day after the night before, so to speak, where Dietmar Lederwasch and Peter Kingston, as curators of the show, got together with Dick Frizzell and Ewan McLeod, who is another chief contributing artist in the show, and they uh, sat up the front of the gallery and spoke to a crowd of probably, I wouldn't be exaggerating to say 20 or 30 people, who got together and were keen to hear from the artists behind the show. So a very informative talk from those four gentlemen. I should let you know that in about three minutes' time, I finally worked out how the audio gain worked on my recording device, and the volume will go up. So fair warning to those of you who are wearing headphones right now. Also, about 25 minutes into this, it all gets a little bit loose and a little bit messy as the coffee van finally arrives delivering the desperately craved for caffeinated beverages that the artists were looking forward to and the audience as well. And uh, we actually lose transmission briefly as uh, it all gets a little bit crazy with people enjoying their coffee and, and having a chat to each other. So, uh, look, at the end of the day, you've got to, you can only blame the MC, and it was pretty poor effort by him to retain control. Uh, a valiant effort, I suppose, to try and get it back. But um, yeah, anyway, it was entertaining nonetheless. So, the artist's talk from Saturday morning. As we listen to this, the first speaker is Dittmar. He is followed by Dick, then Peter, and then Ewan. Um, after that, they all start conversing, and you can work it out for yourself if you like. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we might make a start then. Um, thank you very much, everybody, for, for coming along today to the, uh, the Q&A. Um, with the artists and the curators of the Phantom Art Show. Um, uh, my name's Dan Fraser. I'm from the Phantom fan site, uh, chroniclechamber.com, uh, which is a, a world's leading internet uh, site for the Phantom. Uh, we promote ourselves. Um, the, like, uh, I'm just here to sort of ask some questions and lead the Q&A a little bit, I suppose, but at any stage, if anyone's got questions for the artists or the curators, more than welcome to, to hear from, from everybody. So up here, obviously, we have uh, Dimo Lederwash and Peter Kingston, uh, the two cura- curators of the show have put all of this together, and uh, two of the contributing artists, Dick Frizzell uh, from New Zealand, who has a, a number of uh, pieces in the show, and Ewan McLeod as well. From Australia. From Australia. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. Sort of. So, um, so just to, to start off, I thought um, for everybody just to, to hear a little bit about from each of you guys about, um, I suppose, when you first became aware of the Phantom character and, and reading the comics and... and that sort of thing, a little bit about how you fell in love with the character, I suppose. So, Well, I guess um, I was four years old. I was in Maitland, which is just near Newcastle, and Mum was in the newsagent getting something. I picked up this black and white magazine. I looked at it. I couldn't read, couldn't speak English even at that stage. Oh. And I'm looking at this, and I thought, what the hell is this? <laughs> it's just the most exquisite life that I looked at, and I thought, it's oh, part of that. For, for, and it's just carried on. Uh, for years and years and years, until well, yeah. 60 years later, I'm still doing it. Um, um, I was brought up in a small town in the North Island of New Zealand called Hastings, and I gravitated to the Phantom because it had, uh, even though I couldn't have articulated it at the time, there was a sort of 
a thuggish kind of rascal element to the comics that attracted me as opposed to the kind of good boy. There were, the, there were two lots of comics. There were the comics that the good book lads at school read, which and they all were prefects and head of the first 15 and all that sort of what stuff. What were those ones? Eagle. Oh, Eagle. Eagle, Dan Dare and uh, Roy of the Rovers and all that stuff. And all the naughty boys read The Phantom and Mandrake. And, ben, and Beano? Beano, yeah, Beano was kind of bridged both areas. So the um, so this interesting social stratification thing going on, I think, when I look back on it, that was definitely what it was. But also because I was um, an artistic, I suppose you'd call it back then, which was very rare in a small town in New Zealand, I was Dangerous. like a, a freak. And, you know, I knew how to draw. I was, I was the only kid in the, school, the class who could draw, you know. I used to draw... Mickey Mouse on the covers of all the kids' book, book those exercise books. I had them queuing up around the classroom to, for me to draw Donald Duck because I could draw that wriggly beak. And um, so the, it, so there was something about the drawing of the Phantom Comics that attracted me. I, when I got older, I realised that this, the authenticity of, especially um, Wilson McCoy's drawing, are based, I don't know if anyone was particularly interested in this, are based very much on live drawing. He, he obviously took a lot of photographs, studio photographs that were posed of, you know, the fight scenes or the love scenes or whatever, and then he's drawn, probably tra traced directly from his uh, posed photographs. And you can just tell by looking at it that they have that, that complete, whereas all those British war comics, the guys just sort of made them up. You know, so that's uh, it, it, and of course, if you the you see from the show, it's the simplicity of the line. And this is probably what Dietmar was sort of talking about. You know, the, the the powerful amount of narrative packed into just that very simple those simple black line drawings are entirely because of the legitimacy of all the the, the, the actual deep the you know the reality anatomical reality. So that's my. Um, fascination with it, you know, it's evolved from that youthful thing into a kind of more uh, intellectualised kind of thing as I got older, you know. Don't turn around, but somebody has joined us. Ah, 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 um, when I said to Dare Jenning, uh, would he uh, open the show, uh, he said to me, damn you, Peter. Said, Nobody wants to be forced to say why. It's obvious. It's like Mount Everest. Hillary climbed it because it was there. It's, it's like that. I can't remember a time when I didn't love the family comics. And the excitement of a new one coming out. Back then. Back then. Back then. This is in the 60s, say? Yeah. And, uh... 50s. Not 50s, 50s yeah. Not yeah. the 60s. He's talking about when he was in school. Yeah, 50s. So, so why, Dick and I sort of tend to cut off time at, uh, after Wilson McCoy. Why, why is that? Because we experienced the, the other two artists. Well, yeah, I, when the, the the new drawings, Cyberry drawings, that's yeah, that was the artist. They just didn't have that um, 
gritty sort of illustrative authenticity. They were like, you could tell that the guy could just, like, had a wooden mannequin in his, and he just posed that or something. You know what I mean? Mm. They didn't ring true. It, it, it seemed didn't like, ring true. seemed like other comics, too. Whereas yeah. Ray Moore, and Ray Moore was more of a fine artist, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Wilson McCoy created something absolutely unique, very, very uh, comfort food. Do you think it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 it was yeah. a, you know, you could lie on the floor and just disappear into it until you'd read every 30 to 30 second pages of it. And uh, uh, Gary Shedd and I uh, worked on Oz Magazine and The Runker and uh, him on Artie Wild Oat. And we both loved the humour in the fan of comics. And uh, we decided to make a little film called The Fanta uh, in black and white on a Sydney ferry about a youth who is reading a um, Phantom comic on the ferry and then he daydreams and so everyone in the ferry turns into all the characters out of the Phantom comic and uh, until it returns to the end and he gets off the ferry and of course the real Phantom is on board the ferry. So he comes, he's the last off the ferry. So anyway, that film will be showing here if you're all locals, you can come and see it. This will be showing... 24 hours a day, round the clock. This is the old uh, Phantom serial off, off uh, 1943. 43? 43. We're all born in 1943? Mm. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, I was. You, you were. You I just remember. <laughs> when are you, mate? August. I'm a little older. You're a little older, I'm a little older. Peter's older. I'm older. Peter's older. Oh, thank God. Don't forget that. Anyway, the sound will be going, and uh, oh. yeah, I'll pick up the mark. Yeah. Oh, we might. Yeah, um, I've come at it in a totally different way. I loved comics, but I don't remember Phantom being any better than any other comics. I loved all comics, and I think that's the artist thing. You know, you just love the the imagery of it. But my um, uh, interaction with it was with through Deepmar. And he was doing a series of posters, this one there. And, and, and in, in that, um, he was doing all the generations of phantoms. I mean, I didn't know there were generations of phantoms. <laughs> but um, I thought they were all one, one dude. But that's all right. So I, I was on a very, very steep learning curve. And Dietmar suggested I do the father of the phantom. And he, and he I thought he, he was incredibly incisive about, um, insightful about, how, what role he saw me doing and I've got involved and that painting down there of mine is the result of it but it never got made into a poster and I kept saying to Dietmar I think look, I think you'd be wasting your money turning it into a poster, most people wouldn't like it but um, they'd probably prefer something that's much more strongly graphic um, and I, I think I got you two together, didn't I? Didn't I you did, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I suggested to Dietmar, look, you've got to talk to Peter, you know, he's a, he's a, a phantom fanatic and I also knew of Dick's work in New Zealand and was saying, hey, there's this guy in New Zealand, you've just got to get, you've got to involve him. So I think Peter did, did connect them. So I have a little few connection, connection areas in it, yeah, but yeah. Um, uh, I, don't, I, I probably feel like I shouldn't be on the panel because these guys did all the work. Hang on, but they you've did done a wonderful portrait of Dietmar in the corner of your paper. Oh, yeah. That swearing was... on the skull of his father <laughs> <laughs> with his glasses on. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's been a really fun project to work on, actually. It's been fantastic. A lot of energy. Peter's put a lot of energy into it, and Dietmar's put a lot of energy into it. And, I want the um, riot patch. It's been fantastic. Excuse me. To throw me in the riot <laughs> 
But the humour's a wonderful connecting element in the in the fan. Uh, of course, Q&A. Sort of walking around looking at um, all the different works and there seems to be, like, through the imagery and, and oh, yeah. the humour, but there seems to be something sort of epic about um, well, all different aspects of life and something sort of um, not to be too sort of touchy-feely, but I don't know if you'd say spiritual, but otherworldly or something, that um, I guess that goes down that for me, yeah. you know, looking at it. Well, and the idea of good and evil, like I suppose, is really yeah. interesting, yeah. one, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Do you feel... Yeah. Well, also, I know what you mean, it's epic, but also domestic. Mm-hmm. You know, there's yeah. that kind of close... It's very close. That's mm-hmm. the way the artist... The, the degree of kind of comfortable familiarity yeah, between the artist and the subject. The yeah, yeah. It's yeah. highly eccentric. I mean, as hard exhibitions go, you'll never find one as wacky as this. I'm just telling you, know. I mean, this is eclectic to beat the band, you know, which is what I like about it. It's taken, in, in my business in New Zealand, which is paint, paint, have an exhibition, paint, paint sort of thing, this, this is so uh, fabulously uh, anarchic almost. That's what I like about it. It's so impolite and is it sort of incorrect or incorrect? It's politically uh, well. It's not politically incorrect. It's not even in the argument, actually. To be honest, <laughs> it's kind of over there. You know, where the art racket's here all tearing its each other's eyes out. The the, the phantoms over here having this glorious kind of uh, life of its own, which is for me really lovely to to fly. I always have to fly over. It's never coming to Auckland. And um, oh, maybe. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. And, and prior to that, there was this there was this regular pattern of kind of painting. But this is actually just quite sort of got in there on a on a rather sort of a humble level or something. And I find really uh, a lot of fun to be in. And I love posting on Facebook all the sort of nonsense that we, we get up to. Like this morning, I, I posted a photograph of me standing next to that fabulous phantom we had here last night. Yeah. You know. And I said, wasn't he good? No, wasn't he good? And I've got, I'm standing next to the Phantom, and I said, here I am, successfully, successfully negotiating another step in my skyrocketing career in Australia. (laughs) 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 I mean, it's fun, it's great. I keep on thinking, brilliant. You know, who else would do this? What, what, you know. Did you talk to Dare Jennings last night? Dare Jennings uh, yeah. started Mambo. Yeah, I know. You know, he, he had a ball last night. He just loved it. He yeah. started out the night with a Wilson McQuick Coy t-shirt on. If you study the photos, later on he had a, diff- a, a blank t-shirt. <laughs> oh, did he? He must yeah. have. I don't know. But anyway, he said it's, mate, because he said, when you get older, he said it's fantastic to come here and, and to actually still be interested in the Phantom and still not mm-hmm. be ashamed of He has another aspect to it. It's a, the white supremacist thing in it. Like, um, yeah. you know, like this um, man, in a, a white man in, in, a, in an outfit in the jungle yeah. mediating between the black natives and, mm. and, and resolving disputes. And uh, I just had a big exhibition in Auckland with Phantom. A hundred little Phantom paintings like that little square one down there, all together. And then researching this, I quite deliberately stayed away from the jungle and the pygmies. It just didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So I just had photographs of running to catch his plane or mm-hmm. on the telephone or yeah. you know, or, or fighting white baddies, you know, those like 
those, and it was I, I did it almost without thinking about it because every time I went to those, him speaking down to that little pygmy chief, I thought, oh, I don't think so. You know, well, I mean, well that could go down badly. Yeah, yeah. You know, but your stuff, I love it when I look at your take on it because you open my eyes to things I've missed in the fandom. You know, like oh, the fandom okay. in the bath. Oh, the man the, in the bath and the phantom. The phantom running through the bathroom, yeah, taking a shortcut. Excuse me, he said, and this, the, the king is sitting in the bath. Yeah, excuse me. <laughs> but it has, it, it, it's a symbol, isn't it? The phantom is, it, it, and I think every, all the artists have used them for their own ends, which is what I like yeah. about it. So that, because um, initially in the first show we asked a lot of people, didn't we, to, to respond to that idea, and um, it was fascinating what people come up with. Unfortunately, a lot of them sold, and they um, they didn't tour around. Um, a few there's, of them had. Then this was co- competition uh, that Sam and Annette organised, and the winner of that mm. is out there, and it is astonishing mm. to see. He had an idea that there has to be a washing day where the Phantom washes his outfit. And of course, he, um, to bring the Australian thing in, there's the uh, Hill's Hoist. So he's running around naked and he's pegged all his outfit on the Hill's Hoist and he's running around and then he takes off. And so he's been doing it for so long, the whole Hill's Hoist has collapsed. Do have a look at it on your way out. But the realisation of it is impeccable, isn't it? What a thing! He even made the little pants with the sewing machine and sewed the costume, knitted the, knitted the little pants of costume. Yeah. But do have a look at it because to see that realised from an idea, a great yeah. idea. And as Warwick said about that one too, that um, all kids did swing from yes, the hills' voice. Yes, they did, and, so they, were, and they were all down. They were all down at an angle, weren't they? All suffered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as Dave Mar said, some of the wires are missing, like on the real hills' voice. I still do it. I say hills' voice, I jump up. I want to do it, but... <laughs> <laughs> what about all the rusty spots on this costume with the, the, the rusty wire? Is that on the costume? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. That's what I'm saying. Where are they? <laughs> Trying to replace the wire. These shoes get rusted. There's a freedom to it, isn't So was it, was it difficult, um, I guess, to the curators, was it difficult to get artists to contribute? Um, you've had a, a... There's a lot of pieces here. People seem to put their hand up pretty quickly to... Well, this one of Charles Blackman did for his son, that big blonde next to Margaret there. He gave it to his son. And, uh, it, and it was sold somehow, and it went out of the Blackman family. And then someone rang up uh, August, his son, and said... Your birthday present is up for auction, so he, he was able to buy it back. Oh, wow. And he just came to Wollongong with this, you know, oh, really? in the back of his combi van. And um, that, that, that's sort of like things happen. People know that you're doing it, and it's like if you collect old rusty toys, people suddenly toys, rusty toys start being left at the doorstep. Exactly. Like exactly. People are clamouring to get into the show, really. They really were clamouring, I said. Yeah. <laughs> and and clamouring to get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, going to it's going to Newcastle next, and there's at least another dozen artists lined up for that. So it's going to be even bigger. Yeah. If you wished, it could keep you going till, till the so day. So, at the first exhibition that you had, where was that? 
That was in Sydney, at the Australian Galleries in right. Sydney. And a lot of the works got sold. Well, a lot, they were all for sale, yeah, and a lot did yeah. get. And, but, but, you know, like the painting Elizabeth Cummings did of Peter there, the guy who bought it, or, like, well, whatever, who, who owns it, uh, wants it and, and is, you know, desperate to get it back. So a lot of the, the works that people are saying, Can't, when, when am I getting my phantom painting back, you know, so... Um, so Elizabeth's a great friend, and... Yeah. When Luke asked her, she said, oh, no, I don't have a phantom's mom. It doesn't mean much to me. And then she thought about it. She said, oh, I could do a portrait of Peter. Mm -hmm. So that was nice. In other words, yeah. she rose to the occasion. Typical great. Elizabeth, isn't it? So you might have more being added. Oh, always. Some well, I, think, I could be wrong, but I think that first show at the Australian Galleries was going to be a one-off, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. yes, it was. See, that's the thing. It was no, it wasn't. This wasn't designed to be a touring show. It just Not evolved into that, much to the horror of the King Syndicate features. Yeah. Mind you, <laughs> let's go back another 43 years. That's when we had our first fan show. So really, that oh, was right. the first one. The first one was at, right. at the Ray Hughes Gallery in, in, in Brisbane. And we yeah. got this uh, telegram, and not even an email, and a telegram saying, Phantom's treasure found. Which meant we'd sold a few things, <laughs> and um, that's that was the net. And then we went to the Powell Street Gallery, and every gallery, like this gallery, this is the best uh, set up one. This has been by far the best. Oh, really. absolutely fantastic! Oh yeah, yeah. Well, done. well done, well done, Coach Powell. Yeah. Well, none of the other galleries have done any of this, and, it, and I mean it's a little bit, probably a little bit, kind of. You know, most galleries, I, that's what I love about it, most galleries go for the white space. Oh, yes. So you're yeah. supposed to see the work, and yes. this, isn't this fantastic? Yeah. Oh, this is fantastic. Mind you, the Town Street Gallery in Melbourne had peeping meringues. You know what? No, no, before before the Australian oh. Gallery. Oh. It went Ray Hughes Gallery. Oh, you mean the first yeah, show? The Powell Street Gallery. Oh. And um, and then there was another one which I forgot. It's interesting, you know, talking about that there was a show a few mm. years previous. Which, see, that's the thing about Australia and the Phantom. They're so much like this. I mean, the rest of the world doesn't need to know the Phantom exists, really. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I, I don't Australia, America doesn't. No, they would have made a movie about it by now, surely. Or they did. It was shit. Um, the, uh, and in New Zealand, when I was a boy, I thought the Phantom because we had them in black and white because they couldn't afford to print the colour. So, and also the other thing was because the original comics were that shape, and then they decided to make them modern, like book shape. So they had to add. Each frame had more drawing added to the bottom. Do you remember that? And you see, in New Zealand, this is what happened in New Zealand. We got these black and white versions, totally bastardised. And even as a boy, I could tell that because all the shading would go like that to the bottom, and then they would, then someone would add more shading, and it never joined up properly. And the and the legs, the legs just hung off like little rags because. No one knew how to draw. It was like these beautiful, beautiful Wilson McCoy drawings with these ghastly additions. Like, like uh, heroes' uh, f uh, feet would just sort of dangle off and just jumping over. Hey, I see the coffees are there if everyone wants to grab a coffee. Half of the coffees are here. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Peter you know, so that, you know that I thought it was all. I thought we were getting these cheap versions of this Australian product, but it was actually much more deep. You know, have you put that into your painting stick? Those bad editions. Well, no, if you added yeah. the bits on the end, because that's kind of lovely, isn't it? <laughs> you know?
and put extra panels in as well. And you didn't realize I didn't have you here, so I didn't know how they went. Well, what you end up doing is analysing your own youthful sort of innocence yes. through a, through a uh, process of knowledge. You know, it's yeah. quite interesting. Yeah, when you yeah. Look back. Yeah. Yeah. But the instincts, all, the instincts, always the same. It just becomes more informed, really. That's, that's what's fascinating. About it, you, know. Yeah. you know, I mean, the fact that um, is the only boy in. Hastings who knew those things was quite interesting, you know. I look back now and go, oh, well. You've got to get our coffee. Yeah. Actually, funnily enough, that big cafeteria of the event came out from the in the front. Peter's had to lengthen the legs to make it fit the hydrophobic. So the top of his legs go on and on and on. There's no need. The, the knees don't even oh, never yeah. appear. Mm. <laughs> well, uh, I wasn't going to say it, it's a tribute to the New Zealand comics. <laughs> family holds back. Oh, still. Yeah, family holds back. All right, um, okay. Sam, have you got a. I just wanted to if any of you would like a hazard a theory as to why Phantom is so popular in Australia and New Zealand and Not has America. been overlooked. I think it's something to do with the relationship to Papua New Guinea and the Pacific in general. You know, it feels like it's like he's just here somewhere, just up the coast a bit or whatever. You know, you know how that happened. They were seeing food parcels wrapped in phantom comics. Oh, what? Yeah. Oh. So you can't, you can't imagine the natives coming down from the highlands and buying a phantom. No, no, no. But no, they, no, they, no. they found the, the remnants of the food parcels. You know, the, the wrappings of. Phantom. <laughs> yeah. We're not answering your question, are we, Sam? Well, we're for a really good modernist theory. <laughs> Phantom doesn't have special powers, that's the conventional. I like the way it, it relates to a more innocent time, you yeah. know, and that, that it's not all that sophisticated stuff. He ends up a casualty in the hospital, whereas the others just... Yeah, and he, he always, you know, he always gets the shit beaten out of him, doesn't he, in the, in the films, and he manages to just sort of, like, get out there, he's... He's like a very different hero, isn't he? And it yeah. is a sort of a it is a more innocent time. Yeah. So I like that question about the, yeah. the the sort of the darker side of things too. And it does it is in there, isn't it? Yeah. Wouldn't, uh, well, you know, reading Clive James's autobiography, for example, his childhood we're way out in the suburbs of Sydney, was it? Or yep. and, and, it and it just it feels like a phantom comic. There's something Australian about it. I don't know what it is. I think I think it's that. Cicadas, kind of, cicadas and, yeah, yeah. and a raw sort of unsophisticated sort of uh, yeah, yeah, roughness and a low you know. just ca- I've know. got to be careful here as a Kiwi I can't sort of, you know <laughs> just, I think it's because it's so rough <laughs> that's why Australians like it God knows why New Zealanders went for it like. <laughs> my brothers they, you know, my older brothers, they all had the band of dreams and the whole deal yeah, yeah, yeah. We just jumped on, jumped on board the whole aesthetic, really, yeah. didn't I mean, there was one, I guess there was a bit of stuff you could buy that related mm. to it. And see, America had Superman and Superman. stuff that was mm. just cutting through a bit here. Bit here the, could we ask here. the Phantom why he's so popular in Australia? <laughs> <laughs>
He's a man of few words, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, guys, can I ask, um, was it the art that got you in, or more the stories? The... It's always the art. Yeah. It's always the art. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm scanning, looking for images, flat white. When I'm scanning, looking for images, I, ha- I, ha- I always forget to read the story. Mind you, we know all the stories so well by now. You know, it's like, oh, that story again, you know what I mean? Mm. But if you look at the... If you concentrate on the images, no matter how often you have read that story, you'll always find an image that, that comes through. They come through at different times, depending on the mood you're in or the space you're in or the kind of... You know, literally, you know, the context you happen to be in at that time. There'll be some image you go, oh, that's a good one. Why didn't I even spot that before? You know, whatever it'll be, it'll be... The backwards view of a taxi tearing off up the street mm. with a phantom clinging onto the back bumper or something goes. That could be handy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe They're I had really a... beautifully drawn, aren't they? They're oh, really totally. Yes. There was a moral yeah. cartoon of um, Pauline Hanson heading across the desert. You know, Holden, uh, F. J. Holden, would have it clinging on in the back of it oh. <laughs> <laughs> on the roof. <laughs> I can find myself speed reading through it so I can go back to look at the art. Oh, oh, right, right. Yeah. Nice, nice yeah. thing to say, yeah, yeah. So it was never about the story then? Really it was about everything. It ticked every box. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, the story was big. I mean, like Peter was talking about the lesbian pirates. <laughs> and of course, we know we didn't. But what were all these women doing on this island together, you know? Going out at night dressed in frogmen's outfits and robbing rich men's yachts and stuff. No one's asked about Susie's request, have they? Which is printed above the doorway as you come in. What Susie's request? Will you ask? What's that mean? Well, Deep, you, can Deep, you tell the story of Susie's request? Oh, um, does she ask to take the mask off? Yeah, basically at the end, she takes a bullet for Phantom. She's a, she's part of it, maybe the, the lesbian pirates. I think uh, so. No, it was a different quote. She was a crook. It was a different quote, but yeah. But I think that's a pain you couldn't remember. Basically, she just takes a bullet for the Phantom, and she's dying, and she says... Yeah. My one last no. wish is to see your face. So the Phantom takes his mask off and she dies. And that's why she dies. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> she was getting better and then she saw his face. So there's another, somewhere in the show there's another iteration of that same scene. The small it? one. Yeah, the small yeah, one. Which is, but the whole thing yeah. of the, your big painting is the, the fist, I think. The clench fist. The cl- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Oh, absolutely. You know. Yeah. He's looking the down. Emotion. The emotion. <coughs> I did a painting once of the Phantom, that scene in the skull cage where he's putting on the yes. mask after his dead father's lying on his yes. dying father. And he's got the mask like, you know, like a face cloth in his hand just prior to putting it on. And um, I did the painting and somebody bought it, I don't know who bought it, but years later I had to have an operation and I went to this specialist and he wheeled me into that room where they, the pre-room, you know, the room before you were going to the, the theatre. And it was hanging in the <laughs> wall of this pre-room. The last thing someone had seen. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, and the painting, I call the painting A Man's Got to Do What a Man's Got to Do, yeah. because he had to take on the role of the phantom and everything else, even though he wanted to be a doctor. And, and uh, no, I made that up. And the, and the doctor said, the doctor said, yeah, I bought it years ago. And he said, I love it up here, because this is the room where I put my mask on before I go and operate. Uh, <laughs> Well, I kind of did. Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So that's you know that's the beautiful thing about the fandom is there's always this narrative and the connection and the stories and the story. context that they all go they all go round and round and they pop mm. up and people say oh I've got that painting I bought years ago that's girl silhouetted and the, it, it's they always dig in a little bit deeper than not you know some, a lot of paintings do this have this thing but the fandoms do this proprietal thing that people relate to and they become part of their own narrative mm. you know their own personal narrative. If they, you know, if they're big, game enough to buy it in the first yeah. place, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and, the do- and devil, the dog. Devil, the dog. Devil, the dog. For me, it will be part He's 400 but, years old, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they must have yeah, devils. It. I never thought they'd breed these devils to pass on. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the emotion comes from the, the length of the narratives and that sort of the governor and the Susie story. Um, ran for months and months and months in the paper of um, the Phantom and Susie escaping, um, trying to get to the governor to report the big pirate gang and all the rest of it, and then right at the end is when she dies. And so because they've been through all of that together... That's right. Who fired the bullet? Uh, the governor, actually, the, the, the head bad guy, the big bad guy. So Because he, he was also the head of the pirate gang. So, oh, so uh, she rushed across the book. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah. So that's become the trademark of the show, really, for your painting. Yeah, funnily enough, a dead person lying down on there. That's but it's very, very... Um, Can it increase the royalties? <laughs> <laughs> it increases the uh, provenance. <laughs> it's very dignified, that figure, I think, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, the back, arch of his back. Yes. We're going to do a six-metre high posed. one in 2D at uh, okay. Lura. It's going to be on their scarf. Yeah. There's a toy museum called Lurella. Has anyone heard of it? Yeah. Doc Everett, his family, oh, yeah. the Everett family, yeah. had this mansion at, the, at Lura on, on the very best part, the outlook onto the, the spectacular views. Yeah. And he said to me, Clive said, um, We've got to have a sculpture there. And I said, Well, it has to be Wolfhead, the fourth explorer. Oh. <laughs> Wentworth. It's got to be Buffett. It's got to be There's a T-shirt. I had a marquee of it somewhere around here. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, but it was too. Yeah, the one on the right. That's the marquette. And, and I, I never got round to doing it. But he, he had that marquette of mine, and he gave it to this engineer, and he made it. And he made it two sheathing in timber, right, right, and, he, right. and he had tin metal filling in all the, the yeah, difficult yeah, yeah. bits. And the bush fire came that close to it. Olive oil, who's next to him, was all blistered. Oh. And the bushfire swept up the oh. escarpment and blistered them all, but they didn't get burnt. Oh. So the phantom is, uh, the grieving phantom is going to be standing near them. Oh. Hopefully. Oh. Hopefully. Oh. So, well, that's come out of this show because painting that big one out there, yeah. I thought, why do one of him with his arms folded? It's, yeah. it's just too, too ordinary. It's much better with that dignified uh, shape in the mist, you know, with the clenched fist. Yes, yes, so that's the way I hope. So everything, luckily as an artist, everything's interconnected, isn't it? Don't you agree? You don't feel you're wasting your time sitting here drinking that coffee? Do you? No way. No way. <laughs> I didn't forget crappy. Yeah, we like. better get on that plane now. Ah, thank, you. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Oh, it's a pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I could, I could sit here and talk all day about it, but we do have to get cracking, unfortunately. Oh, well, thank you. Thanks for coming, though. Thank you.
Good stuff. Good on, good old Coffs Harbour, eh? Thank you very much. Yeah, I did. Oh, good on you. Just the audio. Very interesting. I hope it picked up. So we go. So there you have it, the sounds of the Phantom Art Show as it was at the opening weekend at the Bunker Cartoon Gallery in Coffs Harbour. Look, if you can possibly get there, if you've got the chance to get to the Bunker Cartoon Gallery um, in Coffs Harbour before the 21st of May when the exhibition leaves again and moves on to Newcastle, uh, it's an excellent setting. You've got the chance to see that magnificent 12 foot high grieving phantom at the front um, out at the front of the gallery um, and look just the way that they've set it up inside with all of the uh, camo netting and all the rest of it uh, it's, it's sensational and the art show is not going to look the same anywhere else that it goes so if you can get and see it here you should definitely do that uh, thanks again for listening to the podcast today. As always, make sure you are bookmarking www.chroniclechamber.com and check it regularly for all your phantom news and um, opinions. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcasts so that you can automatically download our latest episode of Expand Phantom Podcast without having to check back for it. Um, make sure that you never miss, a, miss an episode. We do have a couple of exciting episodes coming up, including some big name interviews, as well as our regular comic and news and all the rest of it. So until then, happy phantoming and see you soon. 500 years ago, he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck. And upon the skull of the man who killed his dad, he said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy. Injustice and cruelty And all my sons will follow me So evildoers will believe That this man cannot die The Phantom The ghost who walks The Phantom Enemies beware The Phantom's always there But you won't find the Phantom He finds